before I started doing all of this in 2017, I was so afraid that the market was oversaturated that I kept like putting it off. And I'm like, okay, but if I would have started in 2016, yeah. you know, I'd be way far ahead of what I'm even doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just do it. Hey guys, and welcome back to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with Ayana Lage, a lifestyle blogger and freelance writer. She writes about motherhood, mental health, social justice, and everyday life on her blog and hosts the Asked by Ayana podcast, a show focused on dream jobs and career journeys. Hey, Ayana, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So excited to speak with you. So I know on your podcast, Asked by Ayana, you speak with people about their dream jobs. So I'm curious, what was your dream job and how did you get to where you are today? Oh, yeah, that's a a funny question. That's, I think, the top reason that I started my show because my path was so drastically different from what I thought I wanted to do. And so it's just so fun to hear other people's journeys. But for me, I wanted to... um, I kind of waffled back and forth. Like I didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, but I knew that I loved writing. And in high school, I had an internship with a, um, or rather a mentorship, a local newspaper reporter kind of took me under her wing and like showed me what she did. And I loved it, loved it, loved it. So I went to school for, um, for newspaper journalism, did that for not very long before realizing that it just like was not what I wanted to do full time. And then from there, I just kind of had like a few various marketing gigs before I decided to kind of strike out and try my own thing. I'd I'd had a blog as a side project Mm -hmm. for a lot of this time, but it hadn't really ever considered that it could be something that made me like a decent amount of money. Um, So once I kind of really started, I guess, to think about that and like, okay, is this something that's feasible? Then my goal became self-employment, which is where I am now. It's a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. So wait, what was it about your journalism job that you just weren't a fan of? So one of my bosses actually said it so well, and I like feel like this applies to so many like really tough, grueling careers, but he said, only do this if you can't bear to do anything else definitely feel like Mm. it's something that you kind of have to have such a like I don't want to say the word calling but I can't think of another word but such a passion for and like you have to be drawn to it because the pay sucks the hours suck (laughs) yeah it's really really just difficult work emotionally yeah yeah industry yeah that makes sense yeah so you were able to kind of express yourself still through writing on your own blog, which is nice. Yeah. So what types of topics did you cover on your blog, or do you still you I know you still blog, so what do you cover yeah, on? yeah, no, so when I first started, it was like very much like super lighthearted, like I just wanted a place to just like kind of talk about like fashion trends and literally would just write up like here's a recap of everything I did this weekend because I just thought it was so fun, and then I feel like over the years it's kind of pivoted to more substantial topics not that like I still I write about whatever I want which is like a beautiful thing about yeah (laughs) about working for yourself there are no (laughs) no restrictions I will still post like fluffy fun content but I also you know spend a lot of time talking about mental health awareness parenting body image 
sometimes like I dabble in talking about like purity culture in the church, but that's a topic. Yeah. That, like I, it can be a little bit of a headache to deal with feedback on. So. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it, it varies, but yeah, I, I would say that those are like the main things that I, that I really like talking about. Yeah. So I guess what caused that shift into some of the more serious topics, I guess. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think that I felt really strongly when I first started that, as I mentioned, I was like, this was like a fun place. This is an escape from reality. And I, you know, so I'm sharing outfit links. I'm sharing outfit of the days. I'm like doing all of this. Mm -hmm. And I was in this like headspace where my husband and I had just moved back to Tampa, my hometown, and he wasn't able to like find a good job. I, we were living with my parents while we were trying to save for a house. Like I was so stressed about everything, wondering whether we should have made the moves. Like, so I had all of this going on and I was still trying to like, you know, post like, you know, here are my new sunglasses. And like, that's all that I'm sharing. <laughs> yeah. with you, you know, so I kind of had a moment where I was like, you know what? Like, I remember I was sitting in a coffee shop and I was just like, I'm going to write about that. Like, I'm going to share that. Like, I'm struggling, but life is kind of weird right now. Um, yeah. And that there's a lot of tension. And that post got more of a response than like anything I'd written in the past month. And like, mm. granted, like you shouldn't do it to get a bunch of likes and comments and shares. But I think that that showed me like, okay, this is what people are kind of craving. Yeah, that was kind of the moment that shifted it. And that yeah. was about four years ago, I think. Okay, nice. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of noise on the internet, as we're all very aware. And so people really want to see authenticity these days. And I mean, I've been following you for years. So I know that you are very vulnerable and open. And I know I appreciate it. I'm sure plenty of other people appreciate it as well. So yeah, thanks for being so open with gosh, everything going on in your life and also being open about things happening in the world and not shying away because that was a big deal. I know couple years ago, which is actually crazy to think that 2020 was two years ago. But, right, yeah. you know, during the whole Black Lives Matter and all of those movements that happened after that, there was a lot of silence on behalf of a lot of influencers. And then all of a sudden it was a lot of noise. And I know that you posted a few different IGTVs that went viral. So yeah, what was that like? And you know, what are some positives that came out of it? What were any downsides? Because I'm sure getting some of that extra attention on such a tough topic was not always positive. Yeah, I am. Um, it was a weird time. So the first um, IPTV that I posted that went like super, super viral, I think got over a million views was like totally like I was not expecting anything from it. I downloaded stories that I shared and kind of cobbled them together into a video because someone asked me like, Hey, could you put this somewhere permanent? And basically I was just talking about the fact that people were asking me, well, why do I have to post about Black Lives Matter? Like I could be out there protesting for all that, you know, I could be out there donating and, you know, you, but it, it doesn't count unless I post it on social media. And, mm -hmm. and that was kind of like a response, like the Blackout Tuesday and everything. Between you and me, like people who are asking me this, we're not <laughs> protesting or donating. Like, and I'm just being honest. I don't know. The I mean, are, yeah, I feel like a lot of them probably weren't. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I'm sure that there are people who genuinely have that inquiry, but I think the people who I talk to directly, I don't know that their questions were like asked in good faith. But mm -hmm. either way, it got me thinking, and so then I was like, okay, well, what is the response? Like, why does it matter if you share? So yeah, and then. Once I got such a response, people asking me to share more and asking more questions, 
then I kind of just kept on making those Instagram videos. And I did pretty much until my daughter was born. So for about two months mm-hmm. in 2020, the response, I don't know. I, I, I so I obviously I got a lot of hate and trolls and just like blatant mm-hmm, racism. Course. But yeah. I also think that I felt in retrospect, it just was a really interesting time because I think so many people, so many people were so desperate to like do right by black people as a whole. Mm-hmm. And so I think I received a lot of, like, I, it was overwhelming at times, you know, the questions people had, and I was getting like strangers sending me like three minute voice memos, not even introducing themselves, just like, Hey, like, I need your input on this. And I'm like, this oh, is wow. weird. So yeah. <laughs> it was, um, it was an interesting time for sure. <laughs> yeah. I was about to ask if you felt like you had become sort of some sort of representative for Black people during all of this, because I mean, I feel like Black people in general, like we all felt like a representative yeah. <laughs> of our race during this time because everyone was coming to us asking questions at my job. The one that I was at during the, all of this, I was the only Black person in the office. So I was the go-to person. I'm like, please leave me alone. <laughs> like, yeah, me and this, you know, out of the kindness of my heart, like, please stop. So yeah, did you ever feel that way and feel like you had to keep creating content about this? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that I felt that I had to keep creating content, but I I definitely did feel in this way deeply uncomfortable. But some of the responses that I got made me feel as if non-Black people looked at me like, oh, I really like your delivery. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm like, okay, I'm like in my office with my phone propped up just talking. Like that's just my personality. But that doesn't make what I'm saying somehow more believable or more worth listening to than someone who is righteously angry about the way that things are, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think that that is something that really bothered me that people were kind of like using very racially coded language, thanking me for like not getting aggressive, like, you know, for presenting presenting in a way where they didn't feel attacked by it. And I'm just kind of like, yeah. The funny thing is that a lot of people that I lost those people because there have been things that have happened since then that I've gotten pissed off about. And I've ranted about on stories. And (laughs) those are the people messaging me like, you think everything is racist, you know? (laughs) So I think they weed themselves out. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I definitely think that I tried to tell people as much as possible. Like, I am just one person. I don't feel comfortable acting as some sort of authority because like as black people are not a monolith and you go ask your black neighbor the same question you'll probably get a completely different answer and that's okay right yeah yeah exactly well it was really cool to see that all happening um because i was following you beforehand and i'm like wait what is happening she's like blowing up right now i know it was weird it was crazy it was weird (laughs) yeah well, awesome. So I know you are pretty busy. You have a lot of things that you're juggling. So you're a blogger, freelance writer, photographer, you got a lot going on. So let's start talking about your blog first. What ways were you able to monetize with that? So the the main way that I make money through like the influencing blogging sphere is with brand partnerships. I do, I'll do affiliate linking and I will do um like content creation for brands that they use on their channels i'll do like consulting calls but like my bread and butter is just working with brands and in those cases they're paying me to post on my various channels about their product or service or what have you so yeah i've been doing that for i gosh i can't count i think okay this year will be five years (laughs) so almost five years 
Yeah. It's a long time. So where do you find brands to work with? Do you reach out to them a lot of the time or do they come to you? In the beginning, I did a lot of like applying for influencer networks and Mm -hmm. going to networking events, like doing what I could to hustle. These days it is, I would say probably about like 90% of the brand deals that I get come from brands finding me. But yeah, that's just kind of been something that changed over time. And is there anything that people should know about working with brands that, you know, any recommendations you have? Because I know these days, especially there's so many people that are interested in influencing and getting started in this space, but don't really know where to start. Gosh, there's so much that I could say, but I would (laughs) say my top tip, my top regret is do not sign your life away for a free product or not sign your life away anytime, (laughs) especially (laughs) for a free product or for a hundred dollars. There are brands that are very predatory and can kind of like sense that you are dying to work with them and Mm -hmm. will try to say, okay, for a $10 product, can we like use the pictures in advertising and can we, you know, put you on billboards, like whatever it is they want to do with it. Um, that's my biggest regret early on. I was like so excited and so hungry for it that I just said yes to pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got taken advantage of a lot. So yeah, yeah. know your worth in the beginning. I, I think that's my biggest tip. Yeah, that's a good point. Not only for that reason, but also just like when your audience sees you promoting all kinds of random stuff, because people will reach out to you. Like there's so many companies that have reached out to me at some point I had like a teeth whitening company reach out. I was doing that. And then I'm in the personal finance space. Like, why am I promoting teeth whitening? (laughs) So just like some stuff just doesn't even make sense. So yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) And then how did you get started as a freelance writer? Is that just because you were already doing journalism and you just kind of kept that up on your own? Yeah. So that's, I feel like my only like job that actually 18 year old me would be like, oh, that makes sense. (laughs) But (laughs) Yeah, I have still, even once I left journalism, like I've always loved, um, loved writing. Um, so yeah, I do freelance writing. I've, I've written for like, like news publications, kind of like essays and like fun reported pieces. Um, these days it's more so like kind of like a little bit boring. Um, mm-hmm. it's more so like copywriting and, um, like helping companies like write blog posts for their websites so like not always like the sexiest thing but but it's it 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 pays the bills for sure Mm -hmm. so yeah that is that's something that was like a very seamless transition for me so it's been really fun yeah and I'm sure networking helped with finding clients for that but are there any other ways that you found clients or like do you use Fiverr Upwork any of those like freelancer platforms I did use Upwork but man it was so predatory Mm. The amount of work. I mean, imagine it would be great for someone who is like looking for someone to hire. (laughs) But the other way around, it was like so like people wanting you to write like 3000 words for $10. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I did have luck with Upwork. I did find like a couple of like good assignments there. But if I did it again, I probably would skip it because it was such a headache to even like find good clients. Um, Mm -hmm. 
other than networking, which, you know, as you touched on, has given me the majority of, of the people I've worked for, I would say that I've joined like Facebook groups. There are like a lot of Facebook groups for freelance content writers and freelance news writers. And like, I mean, literally so, anything yeah, you can think of. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's been really helpful. Definitely. Like I have made some connections through there. Mm. Yeah. That's a good idea. I know. I write a lot about side hustles and that sort of thing. And one of them that always comes up is freelance writing. And I know there are plenty of courses that people can take to help them get started in this. But do you have any other tips that, you know, you'd recommend for people that want to get started in this field in particular? Facebook groups is a really great idea. Yeah, I think uh, I would say to know what you want to write about. I think there, there are two schools of thought thoughts here. You know, you can be a jack of all trades. You can write about mm-hmm. absolutely anything in the world, which I think is great. But I think especially in the beginning, I know you mentioned like finance. So if you were like a, you're doing personal finance content and you're specialized and you know it really well, I think that that makes it easier to pitch yourself than someone who's like, knows like a little bit about everything, Yeah, <laughs> you know, that makes sense. but it's not like hyper-focused on one thing. So yeah, I mean, I think that if I were starting out, that's what I would try to do to kind of like brand myself also to use Twitter to connect with editors and and writers too. I think that that's like been really helpful for me too. Nice. I always sleep on Twitter. I know I shouldn't. It's like purely for entertainment. I go on there and look up funny stuff or like if something happens in the news, I'm like, okay, what are people saying on Twitter? <laughs> oh no, totally same. Like I only use Twitter for professional reasons when I'm like, okay, guess I should, <laughs> guess I should get on Twitter and be a real adult. But no, I mean, most of the time it's just complete nonsense. <laughs> yeah that's funny i know you do your uh your roundup of tweets so yeah entertaining <laughs> thanks yeah <laughs> so funny um so you're also a photographer so how did you get started with that did that passion start once you were blogging for yourself and get the experience from taking your own photos and then you decided to branch out and help other people i would say that um started i took a photo journalism class in school because like the thing was they kind of were saying like, okay, you're going to be newspapers don't have the budget to have as many photographers and videographers. So like you're a one man show, if you're out there reporting a story, you know, you need to know how to use a camera and how to do video and blah, blah, blah. So I took a photojournalism class and I really, really loved it, but I didn't love it in the context of news. So I kind of mm. just like put it on the back burner. But when I started blogging, you know, I still had this camera that I'd like asked for, for a Christmas gift when I was taking this class that my parents had gotten me. And I really wanted pictures that were like slightly nicer than iPhone pictures. Um, so I decided to like try to learn how to use my camera. I like for real. And then also like looped in my husband kind of taught him the basics. So then, yeah, I just, I really liked it. And I was like, I think I'd like this better if I (laughs) was the one behind the camera. So for the last few years, like off and on, you know, I've done like photos for family and for friends. And then just recently, like actually branching out and working with complete strangers, which has been so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you have a specialty or like specific thing you like to shoot? I know there's plenty of lifestyle photographers, weddings, babies, all of it. So yeah, what do you like? Yeah, I think the most fun that I've had so far has been couples and families. I, it's so funny because I am a blogger myself. Um, So you would think maybe that like branding and lifestyle and, and lifestyle in the sense of like, you know, 
I don't know, like a lifestyle blogger, you know, just taking mm-hmm. pictures of one person for their brand. I feel like should be like something that I like love more than anything. Um, but it's just like not my top thing, although it's obviously still something I offer. So yeah, no, yeah. families and couples. That's uh that's what I have the most fun with. Yeah, it's also cool because once you start working with families, especially if they're younger families, kids and they want to keep taking pictures, yeah, you get to watch so them sweet. grow up. It's yeah, that's the cutest. Nice. Well, that's a lot. Are you doing anything else that I haven't mentioned yet? Gosh, I'm like racking my brain work wise. <laughs> I don't think I think we covered it. I think we've got it. Oh my gosh. So you're very busy on top of being a wife, a mom. So how do you juggle all of these different things? Honestly, here's like a very real answer. A lot of the time, not well. (laughs) (laughs) I love the honesty. I would love to be the person who's like, has so organized and just like on top of things. And like, lately that hasn't been me. I mean, I think that um, the thing that has helped me, and this is so counterintuitive, I actually like just wrote a blog post and I mentioned this, is that I end, like assuming that I've met every urgent deadline, I end work around 5 p.m. every day, mm-hmm. um, even if I haven't done all the things that I want to do. Um, so if I have a day where I lay behind or I kind of slack off, then it's like, okay, well, then I have to figure it out tomorrow. Before, I think I was like, just kind of working throughout the night. And, you know, I have yeah. my laptop on the couch as I'm like watching Selling Sunset. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm just like always working. And for me, that just doesn't work. So mm-hmm. I think that what has helped me is packing things into like a nine to five day. And then if it doesn't get done, I start with what has to get done. And I work my way down. And then if the other stuff doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. Um so yeah, yeah, I think that um I've also lowered my expectations for myself, especially since becoming a mom. It's like can be really, really hard to be a self-starter <laughs> and to do more than the bare minimum. So um mm-hmm. that has definitely helped me be a little bit easier on myself. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you ever deal with like perfectionism with your own work? Because especially I know when I would write papers. I would spend so much extra time rereading, adding stuff. Like I feel like a paper can always get better. So (laughs) being a writer, do you ever feel that sense of it can always be better and want to keep working towards it? Yes, always. I think that I reached a point though, where I, not everything is going to be like amazing. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like not every piece of writing or every blog post or every, you know, branded thing that I do is going to just be like, oh my gosh, she's a creative genius. In fact, I would say (laughs) most of them probably aren't that. But yeah, I think I just kind of had to, the thing that has helped me with that, honestly, is having a like fuller workload so you don't have the time to really obsess over it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know. I mean, I, I definitely deal with perfectionism. I hate getting edits or feedback back because I'm mm-hmm. like, why didn't I do that right the first time? But yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've gotten used to it, but it definitely is still, still yeah. a problem. <laughs> do you use any project management tools to keep up with all the different things you're working on? I have tried them all. Honestly, I have the most luck with pen and paper. Like I have planner next to me where I like write down everything I have to do. Um, but I, I do really like Trello for project management. I really like TickTick to like create smart oh, to-do lists. Yeah, no, it's, I do really like, and I do use it sometimes. And then honestly, other than that, I just use Google Calendar to mm-hmm. hopefully not triple book myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure it happens sometimes. But <laughs> oh, it I, does. <laughs> yeah. I like the hours that you set for yourself because especially when you have a family, I'm sure that's 
hard, but a bit easier to be like, no, I need to step away because I have a daughter to feed and like take care of. For me, it's like, I don't have any kids yet. So I will do that whole like work all night, work all day on the weekends. And yeah, sometimes you just have to set those boundaries with yourself and be like, no, hard stop. Like whatever it's gotten done, that's it. And, you know, save the rest for later. Yeah. I mean, and you deserve the time off too, because here's the problem, I think, with with creative work sometimes. If you genuinely enjoy what you're doing and it That's like, thing, quote yeah. unquote, doesn't feel like work, then you're like, okay, I'll just work all the time. But it's still work. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, true. Even if it doesn't feel like it. So yeah, I think I'm the same. Like I could still probably work through the weekend and not have a problem with it. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone's different. So like, but just for me, I'm like, it's important for me to have hobbies and skills and interests that don't involve like my, what I'm making. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> like yeah, don't involve definitely. money. So, but mm-hmm. it's hard. It's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> hard to step away, but definitely need those moments. Schedule those yeah. in as well. <laughs> so do you have any other tips for people who are looking to build a personal brand online? I know you have built a solid brand for yourself. And you're recognized, you know, as a freelance writer, blogger, influencer. Yeah. So do you have any tips that you can share? I would say to do your best to be consistent, especially on social media. I would not fall into the trap of like trying to be on every single social platform. I mean, it's not a trap because some people do it well. For me, it was a trap because I am able to concentrate on like Instagram and then my blog. Anything Mm -hmm. else is like, you know, as I mentioned, Twitter is like 99% entertainment. TikTok is just like completely just like, I don't know, like sucking my brain dry <laughs> of any, <laughs> anything usable. TikTok. Oh my gosh. But I love it. I love it. But there is this idea that you have to be on every single platform and you yeah. don't. Um, mm-hmm. I would say to pick a couple that you are, that you feel confident that you could be consistent with. I'll also say, even though like I'm not very good at making TikToks that I have had a lot of people that I know go viral on TikTok in weeks in ways that would, it would take you like years on Instagram to reach that point unless there was mm-hmm. a fluke moment. You know what I mean? Like yeah. on Instagram, gaining a hundred thousand followers in two months is like not something that really happens. But yeah, no, I, I think that TikTok is definitely like a good place to start. And then, um, also I would say, um, to not be afraid to start. That's what I always say that I, before I started doing all of this in 2017, I was so afraid that the market was oversaturated that I kept like putting it off. And I'm like, okay, but if I would have started in 2016, yeah. you know, I'd be way far ahead of what I'm even doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just do it. That That's such a good point. Yeah. Just go ahead and get started. Even me, I started back in 2017 is when I created my blog and I was just like doing it as a hobby, not really taking it seriously. And then I'm like, wait, you can really make money with this. <laughs> and so, yeah, just like get started and you'll learn along the way, kind of figure yeah. it out as you yes, go. So true. Definitely. Yeah. Well, um, one of the last questions I always ask guests, a lot of people say, oh, I wish I had known this sooner. I wish I knew this earlier would have changed my life. And maybe we've talked a little bit about some things that you wish you had done differently. So I'm curious if you had to choose something that's happened in your life and your career, um, when it comes to freelance, anything like that, that you wish you had known that you think would be helpful for the audience? Yeah. Gosh, I feel like I've like made <laughs> so many mistakes that I want to save people from. Um, <laughs> but I, okay. So I feel like the thing that maybe it's most relevant is you cannot be afraid to negotiate. And this applies to full-time jobs too. You cannot mm-hmm. be afraid to negotiate. 
I don't know your listener base, but I always say um, white men don't have these struggles. I know because I'm married to one. But <laughs> when it comes to like, ah, oh, should I ask for more? Are they going to be upset? Are they going to be like, who does she think she is? Like, mm-hmm. no, like, I think that honestly, I saw a significant shift in my in my just earnings and my career success when one of my friends told me like, Anna, you need to double what you're asking for when you're in these brand negotiations. And I was like, like, are you crazy? Like, I'm not going to do that. Blah, blah, blah. So finally I was like, okay, I'm not going to double it, but I'll add a few hundred dollars to it. And mm-hmm. the next offer that I got when I said that number, they accepted it immediately. And I was like, wow. okay, yeah. well, so, you know, I just think that that is the one thing that I wish I would have known at the end of the day, like always remember that, like, yeah, you're grateful for work to put food on the table, but they're lucky to have you. So don't let a company like try to get away with paying you like 50 bucks for your work the way that I did. <laughs> because yeah, just, just know your worth, ask for more money. And I honestly will say that I have had times where I've asked for more money and been ghosted. But those are not the people that I want to work for anyway. Like if you yeah, don't even exactly. have, you need to have the courtesy to say, oh, you know, that's not in our budget. And you're just going to like, be like, okay, we're not working with you, then it's like, it probably wasn't going to be a good fit anyway. So right. yeah, that is my top thing I think that I've learned. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Ayana, because I'm sure there were a ton of really good nuggets in here that people took from this episode. So really appreciate you sharing your story. Yeah. So, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So before we wrap up, do you want to go ahead and let everyone know where they can find you? Sure. Um, so Instagram is probably the best place to find me. Um, my handle is Ayana Gabrielle Leish. I always am convinced that I'm going to like spell it wrong on the podcast. It's happened <laughs> I know, once. It's like, I know how to spell my own name. I've, but I've been on a lot of podcasts and I've misspelled it once. So hopefully <laughs> this is not the second time. Um, but it's Ayana, A-Y-A-N-A, Gabrielle, G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-E. Lage, L-A-G-E, and then also you can find me at aonthelage.com. Thanks for tuning in to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or learned something new, I'd love if you subscribed and left us a review. Another way to support the podcast is to take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your Instagram story. Tag me at First Hustle Then Brunch so I can repost it. Thank you so much for supporting the show and I'll see you in the next episode.